As parents, I think the majority of us want to do the best for our kids while still maintaining our sanity and feel like we have it together. I think sometimes we try so hard and want to do a good job that before we know it, we're trying to be perfect, which sounds like it might not be a bad thing, but actually I think there are some serious problems that come along with trying to be a perfect parent. First, it's an impossible expectation. To try to or expect to be perfect at parenting is just setting yourself up for failure because, well, some things aren't going to go as planned and we're just going to fall short. And it kills authenticity. If you're always trying to hold it together, you aren't expressing emotion, and that's for sure not what we want to teach our kids to do. Plus, it robs our kids of the opportunity of how to learn how to handle situations and difficult emotions. We are letting go of parenting perfectionism today. Let's go. You're listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast, where we're obsessed with life hacks that make your life more awesome. Your host, Lindsay Dickhout, is an entrepreneur and business owner, a mom and wife, and someone who wants to do things over the top at all times. This concept started as a collection of things Lindsay has learned that she was documenting to give to her kids one day, and now it's a podcast. Join us on this journey where we talk about how to be awesome at everything we do. Here's Lindsay. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are talking about the myth, the myth of perfect parenting, something that I'm pretty sure we all know doesn't exist, but somehow I think so many of us still struggle at times with the idea of appearing like a perfect parent. Maybe it's social expectations or things that you see your friends doing or through social media. But I think the bottom line is those pressures cannot be put on us without us allowing those pressures in. You know, it's like no one can make you feel a certain way about yourself without you accepting that. So for me, I think kind of going through this journey of parenting and realizing things are never going to be perfect and the goal is never perfection. In parenting and also in the way I raise my kids and what they see and how they interpret what I do and how I handle mistakes. So I was at preschool and a mom was having a hard time and she was dropping things and something didn't go well. And she's like, I just wanted it to be perfect. And you could tell it was like so painful for her. And I kind of just had like a frozen moment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we've all been there where we just had something in our mind of how we wanted to go. And then it went nothing like that. But the problem is the expectation of wanting it to be perfect rather than doing the best and setting things up for whatever it is and then not expecting perfection, realizing it's real life. Sometimes things are going to be a home run and they're going to be a win and they're going to be 10 times better than you thought they could be. And then other times they're going to fall flat on their face and all of your hard effort is you know, going to feel like a waste to you. But that's what the process is all about. For me, a big part of this is vulnerability. And I've learned that being vulnerable helps you find comfort and answers. This is like one of, first of all, one of the best things about being open with friends and not being self-conscious or holding back on things. I talk on this podcast a lot about owning up to your failures and things that don't work, but I can't tell you how many times 
I have had a conversation with a friend that I hesitated on having, that I was like, oh, I don't even want to admit this or admit that my child is struggling with something and it's probably because of something I did or didn't do to kind of get us there. But I can't tell you how many times I've had crazy clarity after a vulnerable conversation that I almost didn't have. So if you're at that stage, man, there is so much comfort and you have to go to the right person. Sometimes the right person is simply someone who will listen and who's not judgmental. Sometimes the right person is someone who has kids similar age or or has gone through similar things that you're going through. You know how with anything in life, sometimes we kind of pick and choose the people that we tell, but make sure the person that you're telling is the right person for kind of what you need and and the advice you want or or just someone to listen. But I'm telling you, there is so much comfort and answers in being vulnerable and opening up. In researching this whole concept of perfect parenting not existing, I stumbled upon the best parenting book I've ever read. It's called The Gifts of Imperfect Parenting, Raising Children with Courage, Compassion, and Connection by Brene Brown. It is such a great book. I have it on Audible and I've listened to it several times and sometimes I'll rewind back to different chapters. It's like a nice, easy listen. I mean, it's very deep and there's so many cool nuggets of information, but it's like one of those nice, easy listens when I'm you know, putting makeup on in the morning or I'll kind of pop it on if I have something on my mind and I'm like, ah, I wonder what she would say about this. It's just one of those books that just has lots of good nuggets of information. It's very real. It's very honest. And it talks about having a home that, you know, cultivates this sort of environment. She talks, if you know anything about Brene Brown's writing, she talks about vulnerability and courage and worthiness and shame. And um, she calls herself a shame researcher. And the difference between all these things is really fascinating. Um, I like bringing up different books or different audio books on this podcast because it's different things that I've found that I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have stumbled upon this years ago. So I will definitely not paraphrase the whole book for you, but I will just kind of give you my standout takeaways. Some are from this book directly and some are from reading other things in researching to do this podcast topic. But but hands down, this is the best book on this, in my opinion. And um, yeah, I really like kind of taking an expert's perspective and, you know, kind of sharing my own, my own experiences and also my takeaway. Someone else could listen to the book and take away a whole different list of bullet points, but here are my bullet points. And I think that it is absolutely worth in our parenting journey, hitting pause and just really thinking about how much pressure you put on yourself as a parent and how much or how little focus you put on trying to be perfect. The thing about trying to be perfect is it's exhausting to try to maintain. We all know it's not attainable. They're kids. They will make mistakes. They are complicated. We are complicated. And it's exhausting to try to maintain, whether you're trying to maintain it for yourself, for your family, or for a social group, or just to try to keep up on in in social media. And you can see it's easy to get caught up with social circles or school groups or friend groups. But here's the thing. There's no end payoff, really, because even if you capture those perfect photos, you're always, then the next day you need another perfect photo. Or if you're trying to make it seem like this in stories, I think that 
um, there's just no payoff. There's no real end benefit for you. At the end of the day, we want these special moments with our kids and we want to help them grow and we want to learn from the mistakes we make. And I just think if perfection is the goal, like why, you know, and I think social media makes it even harder. It's all in our face. You know, maybe you spent all of holiday, winter, Christmas break, relaxing with your kids and letting the house be destroyed and not putting up, not taking down the tree or the decorations. And then you see people on social media whose house is already perfectly decorated for Valentine's Day and it can get in your head. To some degree, it does it to all of us. But the whole thing is we're all, we all know that those are the, that's the highlight reel and we can't compare ourselves to that. And our version of a great parent looks different than other people's. We go through different highs and lows and ages and stages. And sometimes our kids need us more. Sometimes our house is more organized and not. Um, I've done a lot of podcasting on comparison and thing, comparing ourselves to other people because I think that's such an interesting thing. But specifically about the idea of perfect parenting and mistakes. This way, if you're not aiming for perfection, mistakes don't break you. You use them to learn. And even talk to your kids about your mistakes. It's gotten, it's taken me so long. If my kids would say like, didn't you mess up on that? I would sometimes make an excuse to where I hadn't because I had in my mind that I had to have everything figured out. And I think this is one of the biggest myths of parenthood is that we have to have it all figured out before we become a parent. But the truth is a lot of us, you know, are live a longer adult life with our kids than even before we had kids. And parenting is a journey alongside our kids. So we're not going to have it all figured out on day one. And we have to have kids to learn and to grow and to know how to parent our kids specifically. One of Bernays kind of most well-known, and I think one of her most significant points is that we are so much more who we are as parents is so much more of an accurate predictor of how our kids will do than what we know or what we understand about parenting. This is so valuable to me because when I first became a parent, I was reading parenting books like a crazy person. Like I got to have it all figured out before they can walk, talk and crawl. And the truth is, is who we are is a much more accurate predictor of who our kids will be than how much we've learned and read about parenting or the science of parenting. And I think that also who we are influences our kids so much more than what we do. Giving our kids the most authentic and natural and loving experiences in life, I think are always going to pay off the most more than anything else. And I think that's really freeing. And I always say, I have one parenting tip. It's just that when you don't know what to do, be the best version of yourself. Because for me, I don't know what to do all the time. And I'm like, well, if I just be who I want my kids to be, if I just be the very best version of myself, whatever that is in that situation, then that's the right thing. Another really great point that Brene brings up is, We can't give a child what we don't have. I talk about an empty cup. Sometimes I will tell my husband, not that often, but sometimes I will tell my husband, you know what, man, I am pouring from an empty cup right now and that serves nobody. 
like we in that way like if you are running on empty you don't have any more to give to your kids but also if you need to have self time to work through your own issues or work through things that you want to be able to model to your kids then take the time carve out that important self-care time and the time for you to connect with yourself each day or to connect with your partner each day I think is really important. You can't give your kids what you don't have. Brene gets into a bunch of guideposts in this book, and there's so many really valuable tidbits, but these ones that I'm going to chat through were like core, core shaking to me. Things that really hit home, and it made me think about how I would apply them in my own home. She talks about cultivating worthiness in our families. One of the best things I ever read was one of in her very early books. She talks about like you wake up and you're worthy. It's not like you have to wake up and do something awesome and not make mistakes to be worthy. Like in this house, you are loved just as you are, just as you woke up. You don't have to do anything. There are no prerequisites for worthiness. Love and belonging are your birthrights. Like you are enough just as you woke up today. And it can be tricky because we want to push our kids and we want them to, you know, stride for new things and and learn new things. But I think that cultivating worthiness, like as they are, as they woke up, you don't need to do anything to deserve that is very powerful. And even though we all know that, like for me, that really hit home. And sometimes when I'll get all my kids about like, I've asked you so many times, I'm like, listen, I need to make sure that... I'm making them still feel worthy. And worthiness does not have any prerequisites. Another thing that Brene says is in her house, there is zero name calling. And she recognizes the fact that siblings often see other, see their siblings' best moments and their most difficult challenges. So this can be tricky. And she advises parents to be really mindful regarding their relationships between their siblings because they can really have ammunition. They know their most, you know, their most sad moments, their most vulnerable moments, their biggest challenges, and it can be used, you know, as ammunition to hurt sometimes. So understanding that in the home, there's no name calling and we never use each other's vulnerabilities against each other. I think that's really important. Talking about vulnerability, being vulnerable with your kids can be like give you a deeper, more compassionate relationship. And I like, like I said, vulnerability because I show them that I'm not perfect and my goal is not to be perfect. And I want them to be, be, willing to say, yeah, I hurt someone's feelings and I didn't mean to. And I want my kids to still see me as, you know, an authority and and their parent and not their friend, but also realize that I'm showing up like I'm I'm taking I'm taking my guard down. Like when when things go wrong or when we need to be vulnerable and be honest, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable with them. And I found that it helps my kids be vulnerable with me and tell me about their feelings and thoughts or experiences, positive and negative, because they know that I'm not trying to be perfect. 
I'll say, I'll even share my vulnerabilities. Like, man, I made this huge mistake at work. I had two options. I picked the wrong option. This, these are the consequences. This is this is how much extra work I'm going to have to do to try to get that that account back. Or this is how much money I lost. Or this is not fixable. And I just have to learn the next time. So that way, even though they respect me and, you know, it's not like I'm just trying to be their buddy and, and, and their friend, because that can be tricky, very tricky, but I'm showing them that I am willing to be vulnerable and I can still be vulnerable and still be strong and motivated and determined, you know, and a, a, a really strong, tough person and vulnerability just doesn't equal weakness, I think is a really, you know, something I've really had to learn. Okay, let's talk about perfectionism versus healthy striving, because this can be tricky. So perfectionism is, as I've read from what experts say, all about what will people think. It's all externally driven, and it's a defense mechanism. Brene says that perfectionism is a process addiction. We can never let it go. And in families, it's incredibly contagious. On the flip side, healthy striving is giving things our best shot. Like show up, give it your all, leave everything on the field. Finding something you love and trying to get really good at it. And then feel good about what you're producing and what you're doing. This is internally driven you know, like setting a goal for yourself based on what you want to achieve. So perfectionism, externally driven, what will people think? Healthy striving, internally driven, what do I really want? What do I want to achieve? And what are the steps to get there? I think that perfection, that knowing the difference is very interesting and they can seem similar at first, but I think they're pretty different. And for me, that was a very good differentiating those two. So I know when to push my kids and when I know when to pull back a little bit and how to teach them the difference. So just, you know, because we're not aiming for perfectionism, that doesn't mean that we're not trying our best and setting high goals and doing things that we can't, don't think we can do, or we haven't heard of anyone else doing before. I think all those things are really important and a a really good balance. Now in my house, I've really tried to cultivate creativity and play for a couple different reasons. So there's so much routine. There's so much that we have to do. There's so much that, you know, just needs to get done. And as a parent, as a mother, I end up being very like, okay, after after dinner, it's baths. After baths, it's reading. You know, after finishing any homework, like you just get in the routine. And I realized that sometimes too much structure suffocates that creativity. And the beauty of creativity is like creativity and art and creative expression is it's not going to work out exactly as planned. Or maybe you even start it without a plan at all. And so I think that, and I think we're all creative in our own different way. And it just kind of, it cultivates a safe and inviting space for, for imperfectionism in the home in the best way through an outlet of creativity, whether it's music or arts and crafts or painting, or even just like selling, telling stories or building something together. I just have learned that sometimes 
stop executing the list, stop getting going, just getting through the routine. But like inviting creativity invites the perfect form of non-perfectionism. And for me, so thinking about perfectionism for me, I don't have that external, like I want other people to think I just have it all together. I don't, but I, I more so had a a strive to just, I just really wanted everything to be awesome, everything to be awesome all the time. And when it wasn't, or when things would, would go sideways, it would really affect me because I just, I tried so hard. I wanted it to be perfect. And so mine wasn't as much for external validation, despite the, the descriptions that I just read about how it kind of manifests for most people. For me, it was more like my, I would set these unrealistic expectations. And I think that's not a good thing with kids because it's just simply not always going to be that way. So one way I offset this is to invite more creativity and play in the house. So I'm not always just trying to make the perfect class party or the perfect Easter celebration at the house. Like it's not all these trying to be these perfect um, curated experiences. There's also creative play. And sometimes those moments mean more to the kids than that huge Easter celebration you set up or whatever it is. Brene defines play as time spent without purpose. We don't want it to end. We lose a sense of ourselves. We don't feel, feel inhibited. So it doesn't have to be a board game. It could be any form of play, anything that grows your imagination. It could be different, whatever is enjoyable for you. And I thought it was really interesting that she said something that's, something's playful that you don't want it to end. She also said that the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. That really, I was like, oh yes, we must play and we must be creative. And I think these things help you not strive for for perfection and it helps your home not strive for perfection either. Oh, one other huge, huge lesson I've learned when it comes to not trying to be a perfect parent is when your kids have a problem, don't rescue them from the struggle. This is so hard and this is something that I wish I would have learned at the beginning of parenting, day one, because I've done it wrong so many times. So say your kid comes home and says that another child was saying um, these rude things about them and it made him really sad. Our instinct is to say, none of that is true. That kid's an asshole. I'm going to the teacher. I'm going to the parent. None of that's true, you know, and which could be right, but don't rescue your kids from the struggle, meaning allow them to feel the feelings. I was culting, I was chatting with a child psychologist recently, trying to work through something. I was trying to kind of figure out why, why one of my kids was going through something. And she told me something so great. She goes, in those situations, she was talking exactly about this. I'm like, hello, where were you 10 years ago? Don't rescue your kids from struggle. I might have to do a whole podcast just on this because I love this and this is something I wish I would have learned earlier. So here's the nuts and bolts of it. Allow your kids to feel the feelings and just listen. 
this therapist nailed it. She, she, and she said it so simply, she's like, just listen and then ask questions and then listen. Because even if you say someone says your, your kid's ugly, we'll say, listen, you're not ugly. That kid's wrong. Like, yes, that's supportive, but don't rescue them from the struggle. Allow them to feel the feelings of it. Or if they're telling you how they feel rather than trying to make everything okay about something, what about anything, anything that they're upset about, whether it's valid or not valid, if it's hurtful, our instinct, of course, is to save our child and tell them that this is not true and we're going we're gonna to fix it. We are going to fix it for them. But that's the whole point. They don't always need us to fix it. Sometimes they just need us to listen as hard as it can be. So remember, the next time one of your children, whether they're younger or older, comes to you with a struggle, remember, it is not your job to always rescue them. And in fact, Sometimes you're instilling in them that it's not important to how they feel or their feelings aren't valued. And we're taking away that process of working through it. And I think that if we want to have those really healthy, strong relationships with our kids, we need to like cultivate a safe space where they can know that they can come to you. You're not going to overreact. You're not going to start calling and texting every person that was involved in it. And you are allowing them to feel the feelings and work through whatever it feels like, you know, like you're always there to, to help them, but your job isn't to fix them and to rescue them from an experience that they will learn so much from. The real deal of this whole thing is we want to model the values we wish to cultivate in our children. So we need to make the journey with our kids, not aiming for perfection, but for growth and for what Brene calls wholeheartedness. So many cool thoughts about being authentic and compassionate to others and really thinking about thinking about parenting as a journey with our kids. We don't have it all figured out. We're figuring it out as we go. But we know that perfection perfectionism is not our goal for ourselves as parents and it's not the goal that we're trying to put on our kids for anything that they do. I hope you decide to add more creativity. And if you have lots in your home, add even more creativity and play in the home. Sometimes I'll pull out something that we have from a, from the garage and it's just a matter of thinking of it. The other night I pulled out these little light up slingshots and we all stood at the top of the stairs and flung them down the stairs and some hit the wall and I lost and Craig lost and it was great because it's like we're not perfect just because we're the parents doesn't mean we're always going to win the light up slingshot across the across the living room contest. Those things make you laugh and a lot of times I feel like sometimes for years you just uh, and especially when your kids are little and you're losing sleep you just end up kind of going through the motions and like okay how long till nap time how long till bedtime not because we don't love our kids of course we love them more than anything but because it's hard. This shit is hard. But what's it all for if we don't make time for play? So sometimes when it when it's not so crazy, I'll pull something out. If you listen to my 
podcast about habits. I'll put it on one of my trays, my trigger trays, and I'll just put it out. So that way I know when we have, listen, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, that downtime before bed or all together as a family, I try to bring out something, not every night, but when it works, bring out something or do something together that's in some way playful or creative. It's not painful for anybody. It's not like a three-hour monopoly that my husband would would be giving me the death eye every single second of it. No, it's just like everyone knows it's low impact. It's fun. It's creative. We're not all, all going to be winners all the time. We're not perfect, but that's okay because that's not our goal. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that I spark something in your mind, um, whether you are super striving to be a perfect parent at this point or just a little bit in some different ways. Researching this whole topic really kind of gave me a little shift on my parenting perspective, and I think it will always be a work in motion because it's not perfect and we're never going to be, but that's the beauty of it. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast. For more info about today's episode and all past episodes, head over to howtobeawesomeateverything.com where we break it all down. Tell us what you thought of today's topic on Lindsay's Instagram at Lindsay's Cloud. Until next time, go out and be awesome because that's exactly what you are.